You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. <laughs> it's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. Uh, May the first be with you, Ben. Thank you so much, Travis. That means the world to me. Yes. You know, what an exciting week it's been. Just when everything wasn't looking great, Hillary Clinton came and she saved Joe Biden just in time for his (laughs) campaign to be mired by sexual assault allegations coming forward by Tara Reid, not the actress, of course, a staffer in 1993. We're going to talk about that story, Joe Biden's response, what's his team saying, and also what are some of the people uh, who maybe at one point uh, would have said, oh, we must believe her. All of a sudden, they're kind of changing their narrative a little bit because they want to see Joe in the White House. Again, uh, hypocrisy and politics go hand and hand. So Hillary Clinton has come out, said that she will, that, that she, she endorses she endorses Joe Biden, and what a get yes. she is to have <laughs> on the team. There is a lot of people sort of murmuring about possibly a Hillary Clinton VP slot, which would... And wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah. That be... She's almost like a, I almost a wanna... vulture circling the Biden like campaign. Yeah, well. She smells death on it. And we, she's like, maybe I can swoop in here. Well, we have all seen House of Cards. And, of course, Kevin Spacey was the president until he got Me Too'd in real life. And then, of course, Robin White, uh, Robin Wright took over and became the president in that television show. However, perhaps we see a merging of both worlds where Hillary Clinton's the VP. Joe Biden wins the nomination, perhaps wins the White House. Next thing you know, these allegations, they continue to spiral out of control. He resigns like a much, much more perverted Al Franken and Hillary Clinton is president of these United States and if that would happen I'd take my cap right off to her because that's the long game my friend and that would require her to be even worse slash better than I ever imagined yeah so before we get to that, and we have a bunch of stuff. Senator Burr, he's back in the news. That's, of course, the senator uh, who did some insider trading. He said uh, he told everyone the economy is great. The economy is better than it's ever been. Uh, moments after he had a meeting talking about the coronavirus and discussing how it's going to devastate us economically. He knew it was going to devastate us economically. He pulled out. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in stock. Meanwhile, again, lying to the American people, um, saying that everything was going to be great. Now is the time to invest more than ever. Of course, he may have cost people uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, nationally, perhaps millions upon millions of dollars. So we're going to talk a bit about what's going on. What's the follow up uh, with Senator Burr? And uh, we just got a bunch of stuff to get to. But before we get to anything, we got to talk about meat. (laughs) <laughs> First of all, we talk about the family farm. If you didn't know it was dead, let's just remember that there are only four massive corporations that control all of the meat for our country. That is Cargill, yeah. JBS, National Beef, and of course, Tyson. Real meatheads. Real meatheads, these guys. Uh, that should be stunning, by the way, that that's four So four, four companies control our like food supply chain of protein in the country. Mm. So one of them... If even one of them buckles under the weight of, I don't know, a uh, worldwide pandemic, uh, then, yeah, we'll feel that in our grocery stores. That's you you right. may even already see it in your groceries. You may well, see when I went, I went upstate this past weekend to visit my brother and his husband, and I was in Walmart, and I'm going to say this. 
limited meat. You know what you might see in grocery stores because of this is more meat that is uh, still on the bone because the processing mm. plants are... You know, a lot of them are being shut down because of the of COVID nineteen. Oh. So the a thing a type of meat, a type of meat product that is easier to process uh, and faster to get to the stores is something you don't have to debone. Well, you know me, Travis. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. So this ribs. is all this is all Remember good that? for you. Yeah. Remember that baby back, baby back, baby back ribs, chilies, baby back ribs. Uh, I th- didn't. I think in sync. Was, wasn't NSYNC responsible? No, I'm serious. Isn't NSYNC responsible for the jingle? I don't I know. I think that they were well, actually wrote that jingle. It definitely sounds more OutSync to me. So these four companies, Cargill, JBS, National Beef, and Tyson, control more than 80% of the nation's beef supply. This is a reminder that maybe we don't want everything monopolized. Uh, by a few corporations when something like this happens, we're seeing some of the devastation that can occur. Of course, Donald Trump just signed an executive order saying, keep these meat plants open. It's a real JFK in this situation, Uh, putting some of the workers at risk without a doubt, and also alleviating any legal pressure uh, from uh, or for Cargill, JBS, National Beef, and Tyson. If someone would get sick at one of their factories, hey, they're no longer liable because there's an executive order. The president told me I had to keep the meat flowing. He needs those hammies, baby. But just uh, just yesterday, I think, uh, 900 workers at one Tyson plant were tested positive. 900. 900. God dang. And uh, another 669 at a, uh, a Sioux Falls plant, a Tyson so plant. Are you t- so it's almost 160th of the people that have died I have tested positive well, at Tyson. To- now, of course, not all 900 will die. These are. It- this is like, it is like making, it's actually a statistic. It's a national statistic just at Tyson plants. Think about the absolutely like. It's insane. Wes Craven, Clive Barker nightmare that you are in, in a meat processing plant. These are the hey, places. the Sawyer family did it. Leatherface did an this, amazing job. This is not them coding in a in a sterile environment. These right. are people in cramped conditions, literally eviscerating meat, ripping it off the bone and oh. making it and making it packaged perfectly for you to take home. Uh, so uh, this is a perfectly a uh, horrible cramp situation for <laughs> imagine your uh, meat just like your meat is somehow escaping the covid-19 that is flying across these processing plants it's a horrible horrible situation well, and the think... I, the idea that we need to like you better like give off a like extremely appreciative moan the next time you bite into a piece of I always do a piece don't of beef. Sca- don't scare him Travis the covid does not travel through beef it will be. It will be okay. Your burgers are not gonna. We got enough people scared out there, Trav. We don't gotta. We don't gotta scare them. Well, the people that are scared out. are these workers who work that in these is, plants. That I is mean, very true. But let's talk about someone who is maybe the most scared when it comes to meat. Someone who he loves his meat. He's a man. He's a man's man. He's an alpha. This is you know that he's an alpha because he says he's an alpha and all alpha males tell you that they're an alpha because that's how that works. It doesn't mean they're insecure. It doesn't mean that they feel inferior to maybe the opposite sex or to their peers. It means they're an alpha. And alphas, what do they want? They want meat. So let's see how desperate, let's hear yes. just how desperate one of our- One man. One, one man, man's opinion, anyway. One of, one of our favorites, old OG to the show. We used to talk about him a little bit more before he actually got taken seriously. And now I think he's back maybe more in the pocket of being the- uh, goofy uncle turned slightly dangerous neighbor, uh, Alex Jones. Let's just listen to Mr. Alex Jones. Of course, on his show Infowars, I was upstate New York, as I mentioned, and I saw a person that had bumper stickers all over their mailbox. Yeah. And that's how you know they're serious when the bumper sticker is on the mailbox. So the federal worker that works his or her ass off to go deliver them their publisher's clearinghouse letters i don't know what else comes in the mail anymore when they know that the truth does not lie in them it lies in that person's home when you see an Infowars sticker on somebody's mailbox it's kind of like a beware of dumbass sign on someone's house (laughs) might have to get that tattooed on me but i do want to say this guy's info it said the media is lying to you Infowars.com, and this is where it becomes so interesting when obviously everything on Infowars is a lie. Maybe he stumbles upon upon the truth every now and again because it might be accidentally uh, in line with his batshit insane worldview. Sometimes that does 
must happen. Everyone can be right. A broken clock is right once a day. That's what I was told. That is the sad thing with those people that have the bumper stickers on the mailbox. They really think they're being told the truth. But let's just listen to a bit of that truth now. All right. I'll admit it. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'm just going to be honest. My superpower is being honest. I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff. But I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpower is being honest. I'll eat your ass. I will. I'm combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going <laughs> to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. And that's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. There it is. <laughs> Alex Jones. Now, he will eat your ass. But if I'm going to be eaten by any neighbor, I want it to be eaten. I want to be eaten by someone who will really appreciate it. I think it. that guy appreciates good barbecue. Yeah. So I know that I will be done up Kansas City style or whatever. But I think we should also stress the food supply in America is not. It, we're fine. Like the actual food supply in America is oh, we're, fine. We're fine. Yeah. Uh, what he's talking about is there might be uh, a little bit of a hindrance between him getting him. He, he's going to have to like maybe search out a little bit harder to find like a hog sandwich. But he this is him reacting to the idea of there being less meat on the market. Well, there ain't less meat if you eat your neighbors, Travis. That's he, right. All he sees is meat. You know, a, a very a gruesome <laughs> thing I heard about this whole situation is that so processing plants meat processing plants uh, out of these four giant meat uh big meat the big meat corporations okay uh they are you know the processing plants are shutting down and so the farmers that uh hog farmers for example they don't have as many outlets to sell these hogs for slaughter sure so what they're what it's happening now is that the uh the hogs what they do is they get bigger as you feed them, and usually they're gone to be processed, quote unquote, uh, at a certain point before they become too big. Mm. But they're getting so big that they don't have room for them on these farms, these pig farms. I believe that. So what? There's two options here. The farmers are having to do this really grisly thing where they just feed and feed and feed these pigs until they become ginormous, and then they shoot them. Oh, it's like the movie Seven. And or, but the alternative to that now is that the pigs are being fed salads. I'm not joking. <laughs> the, oh, the, that's the, cute. The pigs are going on diets because Aww. they cannot get too big or otherwise they will cramp their own conditions. Well, hey, you know, even pigs got to go on a diet every now and again. And I think that's really great. I hope they're not putting too much dressing on the salad because that totally counteracts the positive that you could get from a salad if you if you bury it in ranch. We all know that story. Absolutely. But it's not just meat plants that are open for business. It's also the state of Georgia. Why is the state of Georgia open when many states are currently not? Florida has said that they will open up small businesses up to 25% of a capacity. WWE and AEW are very happy about that. I talked about that on Kind of Fun uh, on this week's episode of Kind of Fun. But why would Georgia open up? It sounds like, oh, this is how they're saying. They're saying, oh, we're trying to help the small business owner. We're trying to help employers. In reality, what's happened here is employees of these companies that are now officially open, even though they will not be open, there are no customers, will not be able to file for unemployment. Also, these companies, these small businesses that this bill is supposedly supposed to help can no longer qualify for rent stabilization or rent freeze because legally they are allowed to open despite the fact that socially people are still not comfortable going into a cramped bar or restaurant. They are still not comfortable uh, with the idea that the coronavirus has subdued to a point that they can go out and uh, be public. So all this has done is limit 
any kind of possibility for small businesses to have legal rights to to say, hey, we can't pay rent, man. This shit is way too extreme. Now they cannot say that. Their landlords are going to be like, well, you should just be open. The governor said you can be open. So we'll take that five grand here at the start of the month. And employees, again, as I said. Will no longer be. Uh, it really uh, is up like for unemployment. to remove the any kind of safety net for these. All safe. <laughs> so it sounds. And this is the thing. It sounds like when you when you're Brian Kemp up there, and this is the Republican line right now. And again, when I say Republican, I don't even mean like this is like the Republican Party. When they say that this is to help small businesses, it is so opposite. It is just 180 day. It's everything front is back and back is front. It is completely nonsense. The only people that are being helped here are the people who are going to benefit financially from forcing these landlords to continue to pay or from forcing these businesses to continue to pay rent. Uh, They will no longer be bailed out from the government or by the government if their business is going to go belly up. It really is just going to be devastating to the small businesses. And you know me. I want to be in a bar more than anyone on the face of the fucking planet. I I want to be in a restaurant. 100% true. I want to be you know god knows i think you can still be outside and do those things but i want to be sitting at a bar talking about sports with somebody five inches away almost to the point where he's close talking me and he's got horrible breath and usually yes i would be like you got to get away from me but as soon as the bars open i'll let him talk to me for a full hour smelling like anchovies i don't care but in this case it is so obvious that this is just the state of georgia under the leadership of brian kemp uh, screwing over small businesses and employees alike. Yeah, they want the serfs to go back to the fields to resume plowing. And I think this uh, this Lindsey Graham tweet really typifies the kind Lindsay. of resentment against people not going back to work. Uh, Lindsey Graham said on uh, yesterday, April 30th, uh, if you pay people $23 an hour not to work, they will take you up on it. It doesn't mean they're lazy. It means huh. if you offer them $23 an hour not to work, they'll probably take that over going to work. It, it's almost as like uh, we should pay people more Oops. when they go to work. Yes, it's almost like I was this watching, whole thing has inspired some kind of class consciousness. I was watching Fox News, as I'll do every now and again, and there was somebody on there that was so... It was, uh, it was Senator... Um, it was the dude. He's okay. L- let me see if you can guess this yes. senator. White guy. Guess the senator. Short white hair. Okay, that's every senator no, no, so no, far. No, no, no. Okay, well, yes. Okay, he w- he was wearing a suit. Yes. Okay, he's got he's got a face with no beard. He's got little beady eyes. He's got he's he's a powerful Republican. Is this Nemesis from Resident Not Evil Three? Not Nemesis, who I cannot beat right now in Resident Evil Three. It's been actually quite frustrating. No, he's with the he's with the uh, Freedom Caucus. He rolled in with the Tea Party wave. Uh, it starts with an M. His last name begins with an M. You will know it as soon as you hear it. It was Senator Macaulay Culkin. It is not Macaulay Culkin. It is Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows was talking. Uh, this man, he is a total. He's just a corporatist. He's a total scumbag. He is everyone. Alex Jones. He is everyone that Alex Jones is supposed to hate, even though Alex Jones, I guess, likes him. I don't freaking know. So he was saying, basically, the American people, again, are being rewarded for being lazy. And he literally was ta- he, he was demeaning the American people for not going to work. And I'm like, yo, bro, you know, the entire economy shut down. There are no jobs to go to. Everyone is suffering. Everyone is miserable. And somehow still he blamed people for not working when they legally in most states can't so it was the the out of touch handling of this entire virus we also had cuomo on this end of the on the spectrum cuomo saying that he believes that new yorkers think he's doing a good job of handling this no one is happy nothing is good we have mayor de blasio threatening to round up jews (laughs) which is like a real thing that happened on twitter obviously he's he that was bad wording but also anytime that you say oh i'm gonna send the nypd to your funeral to arrest you uh and it happens to be a jewish funeral it's just not great it doesn't look good i will say the the funny reason why that that turned out the way it did is because de blasio doesn't know how to tweet he he doesn't know how to thread his tweets you know like one thought will follow the next so what he did was he just tweeted out tweets that seemed uh, like they were not connected to any other thoughts, and so he has one uh, one tweet that's like, you know, hey, there's a there's a big pandemic happening. You can't have big gra- gatherings. And then instead of following, like responding to that 
tweet, he just tweets a new tweet that says like, "Hey, listen up, Jews! <laughs> it's t- your time is up. The jig yeah, is up. The jig is up. The time is up. We're gonna start sending the NYPD to your funerals." Of course, Bill De Blasio, being a genius, because you know how smart he is, uh, going to Park Slope to hang out, despite the fact he has Gracie Mansion, which I think is 82 acres on it. He just showed up at the funeral. So I'm like, you just added you. <laughs> you just added another person to this fiasco. Please stop. Just stop arresting people at funerals. That's what I was just a bad look. If you're now, of course, I understand everyone has to play by the same rules. They need to be socially distanced. They said that they were being socially distanced. Some picture, some pictures made it look like they were. Some made it look like they weren't. I, don't, I whatever. I, I walked it's through Williamsburg. I walked through Williamsburg, the Hasidic part of Williamsburg, every day, and with a face mask on. And I will say. I do get looked at like a space alien, and uh, I do get the feeling that I'm about to be thrown into a trash can. Well, they have some good ideas. Yeah. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. So... We are living in a world of chaos when it comes to how the government is handling this fiasco that is the coronavirus. I'm being very light when I say fiasco because fiascos are like, what am I going to do with all this butter? This is a bit more of a fiasco, but we'll call it a fiasco nonetheless. We, so we got one pe- we got we got certain people being like, open everything up. We got other people being like, no, I'll arrest you if you go to a funeral. And as I said last week, neither side is handling this correctly because they are being blurred they uh have their minds blurred by politics and speaking of politics so that there you go that's what's happening right now in georgia that's what's going on with big meat Uh, that's what's happening when it comes to a lot of these states saying hey we're going to be open for business uh we're going to allow you to be open for business it hurts a lot of these small business owners and of course it hurts a lot of these small business employees and it puts at risk large business employees and helps large corporations so look no further than who benefits that's who's writing the law and that is exactly why we are in the position that we are in. Speaking of politics blurring lines, let's talk about what's going on with this Terror Reid Joe Biden situation. Joe Biden, again, accused of sexual assault in 1993 by then staffer Tara Reid. Uh, she says that he penetrated her with his fingers, pushed, him against, pushed her against a wall, and uh, obviously, she says that she filed a complaint. Um, her mother called in to the Larry King show, as a matter of fact, supposedly her mother. I guess that's been verified, uh, saying that, you know, her daughter is a, is the staffer for a powerful senator and she had a violation uh, occur and, you know, she's been devastated. So this is a little bit more evidence. Again, uh, if you really want to follow the evidence, uh, we're looking at something a little bit more compelling. Even then, uh, the Kavanaugh situation. So it's more interesting than ever to see how politics have blurred this line, because, of course, we have a group of people who would rather see Joe Biden than Donald Trump in the White House, which, you know, I understand that sentiment. However, the question is, how far do you want to go in allowing that to become the outcome? Well, if I remember correctly, in the the Blasey Ford situation, uh, one of the only wasn't it the her psychiatrist or her therapist that is the one that she told initially and then there, there were more. There weren't many corroborating witnesses. I, I, if I'm recalling correctly. Yes, that is correct. When it comes to when it comes to Blasey Ford, but I so, talked about this in the Kavanaugh episode. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, you know, it was it was an interesting situation. So she brought point, it up with her husband in a therapist meeting. Right. Uh, and then her that was the first time that her husband had heard about it, and so on. So and then, so forth. Uh, but for Tara Reid, there actually has been uh, several corroborating statements from neighbors, friends, family. 
that were contemporaneous with the actual time. So she actually, in 1993 and, and years after that, did refer to this uh, thing happening. And at least these people are corroborating that statement. Absolutely. And again, we don't know what happened. And I've said this before. We were not there. And uh, a lot of people make assumptions based upon political gain. And that's exactly what we're seeing now is we have Stacey Abrams coming out uh, defending Joe Biden. It's trending on Twitter today. I believe Joe. It's... uh, Really, if it wasn't so hypocritical and so dark, it would be humorous. This is kind of what I predicted was going to happen because this is what happens every single time. If you want to just copy and paste a mega tweet about someone defending, let's just say, Roy Moore, the person who wanted to be senator in Alabama versus the person defending Joe Biden, it's copy and paste. Everyone sounds the exact same. It's very sad that they don't see that, but that is why uh, human nature remains the same amongst both people of political ilk so april this is according to joe biden he had a statement out regarding the sexual assault allegation this is the statement he says april was sexual assault awareness month every year at this time we talk about awareness prevention and the importance of women feeling they can step forward say anything and be heard that belief that women should be heard was the underpinning of a law that i wrote over 25 years ago (laughs) to this day i am most proud of the violence against women act so each april we are reminded not only of how far we have come in dealing with sexual assault in this country but how far we still have to go when i wrote the bill a few wanted to talk about the issue. I, it was considered a private matter, a personal matter, a family matter. I didn't see it that way. To me, freedom from fear, harm, and violence for women was a legal and civil right and a human right. And I knew we had to change not only the law, but the culture. So we held hours of hearings and heard from the most incredibly brave women. And we opened the eyes of the Senate and the nation and passed the law it goes on and on and on he's sort of just saying what a great vice president he was Uh, this is what he had to say regarding the allegations he says i recognize my responsibility to be a voice an advocate and a leader of change in this culture that has begun but is nowhere near finished so i wanted to address allegations by a former staffer that i engaged in misconduct 27 years ago They aren't true. This never happened. (laughs) Um, Well, the details of these allegations of sexual harassment and sexual assault are complicated. Two things are not complicated. One is that women deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. And when they step forward, they should be heard, not silenced. The second is that their stories should be subject to appropriate inquiry and scrutiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Responsible mm-hmm. news organizations should examine and evaluate the full and growing record of the inconsistencies in her story, which has changed repeatedly in both small and big ways. But this much bears emphasizing. She has said she raised some of the issues with her supervisor and senior staffers from my office at the time. He just goes on to say, uh, basically, uh, that she has not had any evidence of the uh, she did not file any any claim of the incident and has said that they will open up an investigation and look into all complaints filed at the Senate office. Uh, but evidently, that's not where she filed the claim, according to her. Well, this is a, obviously very a different spirit of uh, a very different spirit in looking at these type of allegations than previously so like when the uh blasey ford stuff was happening there was none of this sort of extenuating circumstances and asking for additional evidence and even you know stacy abrams no, in a, in a and, lot of and those. kamala harris it was very unequivocally uh believe women and now when it's when it's time to coalesce around joe biden the the idea is uh wait we didn't mean believe all women we meant like right you know Let's let's check it out. Let's check it out. But so uh, Joe Biden went on Morning Joe this morning and spoke with uh, Mika Brzezinski. And uh, she she actually kind of held her ground and, and asked him point blank, like, did you sexually assault uh, Tara Reid? He he, of course, said no. And then she asked him about uh, National Archive records mm-hmm. where a complaint uh, like Tara Reid's might be found now he's he was totally open and uh he was saying do it look in the national archives for that complaint you won't find anything and then uh mika brzezinski also said well actually uh tara reed said it would be in the university of delaware's archive records and at that point biden said actually no you you can't you can't look in those actually right. those are um those are those contain things i don't want people to see all right so what we have here is a situation of but the other side 
you know, this is exactly what the defense is going to be. Even for people that say, sure, I believe all women and I'll believe Tara Reid. That's one woman. Uh, Trump has 23 women, whatever. Um, so there's going to be a lot of whataboutism. This is how this entire campaign is going to roll out. This is what happens, you know, when you do have a standard that is being set by one group of a political identity, in this case, the left, the standard, not that shocking of a standard. Um, just don't rape anyone. Don't uh, sexually assault anyone. Uh, don't be a senator with your staffer. We also have to remember here, this is about power. This is not, you know, this is not just in, this isn't something in high school. The thing with Kavanaugh, he was in high school and I'm not defending Kavanaugh. I don't even want him on the Supreme Court. I, All of that stuff. I'm just focusing here on this. He that was a, that was a situation in high school. Right. But when it comes to Biden, he was a senator without a doubt. He was a senator when this occurred, making this allegation far. Uh, it's, it's not far more serious, but it is serious because of the power uh, that he held over this staffer. That really does uh, change a little bit uh, the situation for me. So Joe Biden, he's going to say. I don't I didn't do it. He's going to have his supporters say that, hey, we believe Joe. And when we get to the general election, we are going to have Donald Trump again get a pass on everything that has come forward. The fact that he's hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein, talking about how hot the chicks are. And Epstein's like, I'd like him a little bit younger, although maybe they were very young. Who knows? The pedophiles um, that all of these people hang out with, that all of them hung out with and took their money from. We have Donald Trump, who is no longer going to be held accountable or still won't be held accountable for the things uh, from his past regarding sexual assault, regarding women, the whole thing, walking into, you know, whatever, uh, Miss Teen USA pageants and looking at looking at all the girls as they change. Just creepy ass shit, because Joe Biden on the other side, he's not going to want to bring it up. And then when it comes to the creep factor, if there was only one person creepier than Donald Trump, it's Joe Biden. You cannot find two creepier dudes in the world than these two and they just so happen to now be head to head I mean it, in a presidential election it's amazing that we found ourselves at a general election with two two men who have been accused of sexual impropriety it, it, like we didn't have to we, we didn't have to do this we didn't have to come to this to this well this is why there is some issues right this is where people get there they put their skeptical cap on and you know you always got to wear it uh so Tara Reed a lot of the people saying oh she's just making this up for political reasons obviously she's a bernie supporter she was uh, i guess she wrote some friendly things about putin all this kind of stuff whatever the question is always why you know why would she come out now all of those kinds of things so that is the questions that everybody asked about roy moore about you know trump all the republicans all the conservatives they're all asking the exact same question on the other side and i think the sad thing the thing that's just sad about all of this is that once again, we have just a nasty-ass 2020 election. Once again, we're going to have a nasty-ass election, much like 2016 here in 2020, where these issues are going to be on the forefront, and uh, nothing is going to get solved, and we're just going to have a situation where one of these men are going to be president, maybe one for the second time, maybe one for the first. And I don't know, you know, if you're the American people, you talk about lower voter turnout. Everyone always says, oh, lower voter turnout, it helps the Republicans. In this case, I'm not even sure anymore. Because you have a situation where, because of the coronavirus, we have a totally unprecedented, completely unconstitutional ban on our primary, which is June 26th, by the way. It's May 1st. They've already said our primary June 26th is canceled. Granted, I understand it's going to be Joe Biden unless he dies. Or unless God knows something catastrophic happens, but not even a but symbolic mail-in nice. vote would. I mean, for it would just be nice they, uh, to have a vote because we deserve a vote. The head of board of elections called it a beauty contest, and uh, I, that just really kind of belittles the well, whole thing. Well, when I think of Biden, when I think of Bernie, I think of <laughs> I know, beauty. Right? I think of the three Bs: Bernie, Biden, and but, beauty. So, so it's a the, very interesting thing. The Tara Reid story broke, I think, something like thirty-five days ago. Right in uh, in the Intercept and on uh, I think Katie Halper's Glenn podcast. Greenwald is the best, but uh, Ryan Graham broke the story. But uh, Glenn Greenwald uh, owns owns the inter uh, runs the Intercept. Right. Uh, so the the time it took for Biden to address this on TV for the time it took for media outlets to address this is really 
disconcerting. Well, it really took Twitter to kind of get up in the fury that Twitter has. And again, it's not really an indication of anything politically, because as we've seen, if uh, someone has a lot of heat on social media, it doesn't really translate to the polls. Well, the only but. the only network that offered Tara Reid a TV appearance, because even though they're talking to, to Joe Biden 35 days after the story broke today... Yeah. Uh, Tara Reid has not been invited on any of these, no, they on these outlets. But Fox News, I believe she's going on Fox News this weekend. Exactly. Uh, and they're going to do exactly to talk what, to Chris Wallace. They're going to do exactly what they did with Juanita Broadwick. And it's going to be weaponized. They're going to so, make her seem like she is. They're going to just make her seem. They can't make her seem like she's a conservative whack job. They're going to make her seem like she's a socialist loon. And it's the exact same recipe, copy and paste. This is what they do to stay in power. And Fox News, you know. It, it, the fact that there was a hashtag fire Chris, Chris Hayes, Hayes yes. I don't care Chris Hayes whatever it doesn't matter to me I just people wear glasses and then people who are dumb think they're smart I don't know I don't care but uh the fact that there was a fire Chris Hayes trending on Twitter and again I hate Twitter but and I'm not talking about it much but because he covered the story he and literally he didn't just even brought the story he up. didn't even like really <laughs> I don't know it wasn't like that aggressive no it was like no. all right and then people were so mad and they're like he wants to get Trump elected y'all are crazy those folks are all crazy and it's just so sad to see um people's so-called morals or principles they always, they throw them away when they are not convenient which is why I have a distorted version or vision or view of reality, because once you look through the political lens, as I've said a thousand times before, uh, the pixels are often very, very different but so than, I think than the truth. We're as far as like Biden or Tara Reid, this being like a recurring story. I think uh, a lot of your main like news outlets are done are done with it. Now It'll they, all be now, on conservative. Well, news. yeah. Now that now that Biden has said no, and that's that. Uh, the the uh, everyone is coalescing around him. Kamala Harris is on board. Stacey Abrams, of course. Our our, our good friend Ch- uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is on board. It it he has he has made this statement, and now we can move on. Is it going to be the sort of protocol for MSNBC, etc.? Yep. Well, um, we'll see. We'll see how many pink hats are out there protesting if he ever does get to the point of being inaugurated uh, president. All right. So let's look here at Senator Richard Burr. So as I mentioned, Senator Richard Burr, he is one of these jackasses. He's out of North Carolina. Uh, He got into some trouble for uh, selling a bunch of stock. This is, of course, right after a briefing being like, yo, this coronavirus is pretty serious. Um, So maybe you should tell the American people that. Instead, he just totally lied. He now has a lawsuit being dropped against him. But for an interesting reason, the shareholders have dropped a lawsuit against him. Uh, This is Alan Jacobson, who owns stock in Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, which, again, I will be at as soon as I can. They had accused Burr of uh, securities fraud for selling off stocks ahead of the economic downturn caused by the pandemic. This is according to Alan Jacobson. He alleged that Burr was acting off of non-public information that he learned in his capacity as chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. We, committee. We all know that to be true. So why did they drop the uh, the lawsuit? This is according to Jacobson. This is what Jacobson's lawyers wrote, rather. They said, in consideration of the effect that this lawsuit may have on any pending criminal or civil investigation into defendant Richard Burr's conduct by the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, as well as the effect those investigations will have on the discovery process in this action, plaintiff Alan D. Jacobson has elected not to proceed further with this lawsuit at this time. So basically, because this lawsuit could interfere with a federal investigation that's going on right now, they have said, all right, we're going to dip out. This lawsuit is going to be handled at a much larger level. Of course, that level is federally. So it is not looking good for Burr. You might read that headline and be like, oh, lawsuits are getting dropped. That sounds good for him. Absolutely not as it should be. I really hope this man gets in significant trouble because God knows how many people were hoodwinked, bamboozled by this man's lies. 
So this is according to Burr in a statement that he made in March. He said, I relied solely on public news reports to guide my decision regarding the sales of stocks on February 13th. Of course, as we know, that is a total and utter lie. He goes on to say, specifically, I closely followed CNBC's daily health and science reporting out of its Asia boroughs at the time, understanding the assumption the assumption. Many could make in hindsight, however, I spoke this morning with the chairman of the Senate Ethics Committee and asked him to open a complete review of the matter with full transparency. ProPublica reported that the 33 stocks in March that he sold amounted to anywhere between 628,000 and 1.72 million. The The transactions came a week before the markets dropped sharply, falling nearly 40%. So we'll see what goes on with Burr. I'm not holding my breath that they're going to do anything. No. I don't I don't think he's even going to get out of office. Given the amount of people that have resigned for smaller things, it's right. very sad. But he is being protected by the institution. And we'll see. It is kind of like, you know, your friends are the judge and jury. And uh, do your friends want to, you know. Uh, also in do, just they, like do the, your friends want to give you the perp walk? The, the Republicans, man, they they stick together like gum under a school desk. Yeah, and also we're just like sort of in the fog of war right now. You can just get right. away with these things that would seem like just egregious in an otherwise maybe more stable environment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with all the news coverage just being about coronavirus, news stories like that that I think are much more important uh, than they're given credit for just go completely under the radar. Well, speaking of coronavirus, there is something I wanted to mention about Gilead, oh. the uh, the pharmaceutical company that is uh, responsible for remdesivir. Ooh, I love that. They which, always sound so cool. Which is a, well, Gilead, first of all, is also the name of the to- the totalitarian country in Handmaid's Tale. No which kidding. Is, which is a nice, nice name for, for a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. Remax is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Uh, but so they have they have developed remdesivir, and it's sort of it, it's not fully confirmed yet. But uh, it looks like it is a possible treatment for coronavirus. Not okay. a not a vaccine, not a cure, but something that uh, you know. 30% or so of people have taken it have recovered in a little bit quicker. Sweet. So that's at least something. And so remdesivir is getting approved. Uh, the It's on the fast track to approval through the FDA right now. But the thing about Gilead is they're, they're a nice bunch of people who uh, they've, they've recently come under fire for, they're a $100 billion company and they've come under fire for uh, charging uh, $2,000 a month for an HIV drug that costs $6 to manufacture. So they're not ma- they're not maybe so hot with their uh, with how they charge us for their pharmaceuticals. No. And the thing about the remdesivir uh, the the R&D for that, the research and development is that it was it's funded in part by publicly funded universities. So in a way we are tax pay taxpayer funding the invention of this treatment and yet there is no there is no law that prevents the pharmaceutical this pharmaceutical company from charging whatever they want in fact in 1996 under clinton there's a there was a federal rule that was removed by clinton that made it uh that made it uh impossible for them to overcharge uh, but well, Clinton loved removing things. He, Thank you so much, Bill. <laughs> but also at the, at the same time, so we we don't really know. They've released a vague statement that's like we're gonna we're gonna charge a, a certain amount for it. It won't be too crazy. But well, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the price is lower in, than AIDS medication, just because again we should not have supply and demand be the 
the metric when it comes to medicine. But well, here's I another be here's if it another was true. like evidence of their really great intentions. Is back in uh, mid March before or right after uh, lockdowns went into effect and shelter in place. Uh, rules went into effect. They were trying to gain a seven a seven year exclusive rights to remdesivir under a little loophole called the Orphan Drug Act. Oh, and so a little the orf- orphan <laughs> yeah, drug, little orphan anti drug. So what that you can you can file a drug under the Orphan Drug Act when less than two hundred thousand people have the the disease or the virus or whatever it is you're treating, and that that's a loophole because back in March fifteenth or so. There were under 200,000 people because it was a virus that was rapidly spreading and we didn't have enough tests to confirm how many people actually had it. So they seized on this opportunity. They said, "Okay, well, there's definitely more than 200,000 people who have this or will have it in another week or so. Sure. But we're going to say that it's less than 200,000 because it's this little orphan drug. It's this little orphan virus that nobody knows about yet. This is why you want to get the better lawyers on your team. But they eventually they did. they, They were going through with that. Uh, but then they had to rescind it because they were publicly shamed. But this is the kind of this is the kind of pharmaceutical company that that might be leading up our like our vaccine in the end. Oh, and I Trump mean, without is, a doubt, they will. And Trump has publicly backed them. This is their, you know, it's not it's not he's this is not Clorox or whatever he wants to inject in our veins. He's he's publicly saying like this is the this is the company that might be the. Oh, I mean, of course it's going to be a company. It'll be a private company. Uh, the fact that Gilead got there, I'm sure there was a massive arms race to figure out which drug oh, and there would still work is. best. So I'm sure that there still is. So that is good news on the. Uh, so let's not overshadow that. Yes, I mean it will be a corporation. It will be a pharma company that is. Uh, not necessarily looking out for the best intentions. Do not have the best intentions for the American people, but it would be great if we can get that because then we could start opening things up and people will stop killing themselves all over the world. Another good news story or somewhat good news story, I guess. And that, and that story is 50 50 like everything, but I am happy that there's a drug and hopefully people can get that and again, just be a healthier. Just, just, just a treatment. It's basically just something to make you feel a little bit better. Hey, I'll take it. Um, all over the world, pollution levels are dropping fast. This is good, I suppose. Uh, the lockdowns have triggered the, uh, by the pandemic. That's t- 2.6 billion people. They're living under restrictions. Uh, airlines, obviously, car travel is ground to a halt. Not a lot of people are moving. In the U.S., emissions of carbon dioxide are forecast to drop 7.5% this year. In the, U- in the EU, daily emissions have fallen 58%. Compared to pre-crisis levels, global levels of nitrogen dioxide, a pollutant linked to cars, have hit a record low. Uh, That's according to uh, the Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air. Less coal burning in China in February alone has already avoided the equivalent of annual emissions of a small European country. Uh, And the air quality in major cities from New Delhi to Beijing to Los Angeles is cleaner than at any time in recent memory. This is according to James Lee. He's a professor of atmospheric chemistry at the University of York. He says it is a big natural experiment that you could never reproduce on this scale. I'm happy that he acknowledges that this entire thing is a social experiment. We will be able to get a much better handle on where the pollution is coming from in normal circumstances because things like this power generation will continue, but road traffic is shutting down. The only thing that I like or the thing that I find to be most interesting is we cannot deny that our daily activity and our daily lifestyle has an impact on the environment. We're seeing that play out here. I'm not going to go crazy. Obviously, we need to get back in our cars. We need to get back to work. But maybe we could use this as a, if you were on the fence, um, being like, what What are humans really, what role do we play? We can see that we play a big role. Yeah. And we're able to really uh, impact social change by our actions. Um, so maybe when we do open up a little bit, Maybe people start biking a little bit more or walking a little bit more or just realize that what we do matters. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of the most important takeaway that I've gotten from this, because obviously, once the economy starts going globally, uh, we're going to be in full speed. And uh, it's possible all of these mini gains, if not likely, yeah. all these mini gains will be completely erased. But if you look at, you know, just February alone. You know, just China with coal, the amount of, of, of change that that's made in a positive direction, it really should remind us that we, we can have uh, we can create change in our environment or with global warming 
Uh, obviously, we cannot live like this, but maybe we could take some of the um, maybe some of the habits that we're doing now uh, out of force. We will just be able to say, oh, you know what? That wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, biking, biking to the store as opposed to driving or whatever the hell it might be. Um, so that, that's there's a little a, bit uh, of a positive story anyway. There's a new Michael Moore documentary I mentioned uh, called uh, Planet. I just hate Michael Moore so much, but I know. <laughs> Planet of the Humans. Well, it's executive produced by Michael Moore, so he's not actually the in man, it. But all he does, he has like multiple mansions and he eats as much as four people. This man's global so, footprint is bigger than than Andre the Giants. And so the the what you're saying, yes, it, this documentary, it, it, it kind of goes a little bit further. It almost sort of, I won't say it is implying this, but it really has this vibe of like, um, oh, humans are a virus, and we should depopulate. We should. Well, uh, honestly, he could. He should start with himself. But that's the irony <laughs> of all these depopulation people. They never want it to be them. It's not. It's not so explicitly that. But this. It's a documentary that has me very torn because the. Uh, if you want to de- if you are one of these depopulation people, kill yourself, and then hey, boom, you be the change you want to so see like in the world. Half of the documentary, it sort of focuses on the idea that our system is based on the idea that we need continuous growth and it's sort of a antithetical to how the world would work you know right, the right, more right. people there are the more resources we consume and this is a finite situation we have going on here but the other part of it is like they are shitting on renewable energy sources like wind turbines and solar panels and why are they doing and that? they're like it's it's weird because it's like fossil fuel industry talking points but the thing is i've read some criticism of the movie and it's it's like apparently they are using early 2000 talk like early 2000 things to talk about uh, renewable energy sources now okay. so they'll like so they'll make the point that what's for, the name of this documentary again planet of the humans planet of the humans so they'll so the one of the points being like okay well you have solar panels right mm-hmm. uh, the solar panels take sunlight to create energy or well, right. what happens at night well in, it, back in the 2000s apparently those solar panels would be uh, fueled by fossil fuel energy sources in the nighttime to so they would have like fossil fuel uh, coal sort of idling in the background so that when the, the when those solar panels did run out of so, uh, sunlight energy they would sort of have backup generators right that is apparently an old method of renewable energy they've they've since sort of created more efficient sort of smarter versions of these which i mean i have no idea i don't know anything about renewable i would energy. assume it's improved quite a bit since the early 2000s but it's just so strange that he that the, Michael Moore is not known as sort of he's not a he's not, not known, known as being like a shill for I mean I think that he's gas been, and in and coal and he's stuff. a shill for everything it's just very strange it's a very strange documentary and it, it's it's very gloomy right. and dark and, so it's but a, it's a recommendation not recommendation is I, that the I recommendation say, I would say watch it and then watch uh, Gasland on HBO as well sort of to balance out the the sort of mixed messaging that's that's coming from from that documentary. So this is according to Glenn Peters, going back to a little bit on how coronavirus has impacted climate change. Uh, He is the research director at the Center for International Climate Research in Oslo. He says it's going to put a pause on anything climate related in the policy discussions for the next six to 12 months. Climate is probably not going to be mentioned. It is going to be about coronavirus and economic recovery, Uh, despite. So there's a little bit of concern, as we were just talking about, that we're going to go full force. But if you do look at some of the actual visible changes, maybe maybe the powers that be will take this uh, into account, for example, in Venice. Travis, you know what? You and I have our we have our romantic vacation coming up in Venice. Yes, where we're gonna do a gondola. We're gonna go in a gondola, um, and I, I guess fish. I don't know what you know. No, I will be launched into the sky because you'll be on one side of the gondola, and I will be <laughs> launched into the Vatican. Oh, oh, another boy! Great. <laughs> yes, I've made a wish for a boy, and I've got one right here in the Vatican. Came through the window. Um, so in Venice, the waters of the canals are running clear because most boats are no longer churning up the mud. In the center of London, the sound of bird songs is audible because traffic noise has all but stopped. The environmental advocates say it's way too early to celebrate and point out that any benefits are likely to be short-lived. This is according to Peter Betts, uh, previously the UK's lead climate negotiator. So evidently he screams at the sky all day. Uh, he says closing down our entire economies for a period of weeks or months is not going to get us toward decarbonizing. 
there may be some positive behavioral impact, but the real question is what happens in the recovery phase? Do we just go back to business as usual? Uh, hopefully people can again take into account what's happened here. So currently uh, we have air traffic is cut by about 65% to 90% depending on where you are. Uh, the EU is assessing whether it could adopt a tougher goal of 50 to 55% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030, upping the existing 40%. Uh, target. But of course, we do have to remember uh, that right now the Trump administration has opened the floodgates for much more when it comes to oil uh, and when it comes to gas use. Of course, some of the major car dealers in this country we had no problems with the uh, with the restriction on carbon emissions per car. Donald Trump has said, ah, screw it. Let them all be gas guzzlers, which again hurts the person who has the car because you got to pay more money in gas, hurts the environment. And the car companies themselves were like, we're actually kind of fine with this legislation. They actually sort of pushed back uh, saying that we don't need to relax these carbon emission restrictions. We're not demons. Um, so interesting take, I guess, or interesting angle on what's going on when it comes to the accurately described uh, global uh, exercise that we're seeing right now in isolation and how it impacts the environment and the world that we live in. And if we could just take, I don't know, 30%, if we can just cut back by 30%, something like that, I'm already starting to see, you know, in, in, uh, in Brooklyn, for example, it's like small stuff or in New York, it's very small stuff when it comes to uh, plastic bags. We're using paper now, which I have no problem with. I don't know why everyone just decided to go with plastic 100% all the time anyway. No one ever asks paper or plastic anymore. It's just assumed plastic. Obviously, plastic, that's oil. You know, everything is everything around us is oil. The microphone I'm talking to in, is oil. The the computer we're staring at is made of, uh, you know, uh, of oil. So we do have to, um, you know. Just uh, try to remember, try to remember that we can make a change. And uh, I think that that's one good thing that we've learned in this uh, little period, right? More and more, I, I, I think that the, the matrix is becoming like more omnipresent in our, our culture. The idea yeah. like humans are the virus. And, humans are the virus. And the way that Republicans think that we're well, we human also... batteries meant to be well. <laughs> plugged in uh, for the sake of the economy. You know, yeah. Humans can also be the cure, and that's what and we also, have to do in this. Dusters are coming back in style. Dusters, yeah. Like, oh, like the cowboy, like the like the highwayman war yeah. with Johnny Cash. Mm, that's cool. Chris Christopherson. Oh, the highwaymen. They were wonderful. Woody, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. And who was the other one that you like so much? Who was the other one? Waylon Jennings. <laughs> that's Waylon right. Jennings. That's the other one I like. That's the other one you like so much. Um, so that's the highwaymen. They love the dusters. Um, all right. Well, are there any other stories that we want to get to this week? I feel like we still have a lot to talk about, but I guess that's basically the biggest of the week. Basically. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Chris Dodd is on uh, uh, Joe Biden's VP selection committee. And if you don't remember Chris Dodd, he uh, he look up look up the oh, story waitress sandwich, look up waitress <laughs> sandwich. Creepy Joe has picked uh, Chris waitress sandwich Dodd to be on his VP selection. What is committee. that story all about? So he and another uh, another guy were in a restaurant in D.C. and they like made a waitress sit on his lap, and then the other guy sat on the waitress's lap all while their dates were in the bathroom. Yeah. It's just some. I mean, they're all so hideous. You know, one of the one of the this is sort of a boys will be boys sort of thing because Nancy Pelosi came out today and also was sort of defending Joe Biden. And of one of the things she used standing next to Jim Clyburn, uh, she said, "You know, Joe Biden is Joe Biden." That was her. I know. That I was know. sort of her quintessential defense of Joe Biden. Honestly, I don't even know what's going on with the whole Tara Reid thing. As far as I'm concerned, he's done. <sighs> Weird things on camera for years, so we know we know who Joe Biden is. That man. I was watching he's some. A very, of, he's a very. I was watching some of the like the highlight reels of Joe Biden being <laughs> kind of like weird, and one of them is so so fucking strange. He says he's whispering something, and a, a mic picks it up, and he says, uh, "I hope you have a really large." Uh, or what does he say? I hope you have a big fence around your house. <laughs> like, he says this to a woman that passes him. He says, "I hope I you have. A, I hope you have a big fence around your house." Whatever. What, what does it mean? What does it mean? And it's 
Uh, all right. <laughs> well, we'll keep you updated on what's going on in the news of the week that matters to you. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there, surviving the best you can. Never forget, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.